Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez. Eddie, how are you, my friend? Hope you had a great weekend. Great weekend, Jess. Thank you. Yep. Eddie, just uh, <clears throat> I want to uh, say a short little prayer for Officer Chauvin, who was uh, stabbed in prison. He's the former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, who was railroaded by the criminal justice system. Uh, he was stabbed over the weekend by another inmate, and uh, he's the one that was found guilty in the in the controversial contentions and highly publicized uh, you know case concerning the death of George Floyd. And he's given a, he's been given a 20 year sentence. I also want to pray for Michael for- Boris for uh, his situation. He stepped down from church militant. Uh, I, I don't rejoice when a, a fellow Catholic falls, uh, you know, back into a life of sin. We've, we've been there before. I've seen a lot of my good friends fall, Father Crappie, and many others. And uh, it's not something to gloat about. So I want to pray for both of them and our Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And Jesus protect both of them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Today's responsorial psalm at Holy Mass, Daniel chapter 3, verse 52. Glory and praise to God forever. Eddie, we want to talk about Dan's book has been profiled in a great article. Uh, well, I think it was Crisis Magazine. <clears throat> put out an article talking about uh, Dan's book and also Father Ripperger's prayer book. Uh, <clears throat> the article was written by Dr. Jared Stout, and uh, he's the Benedictine Oblate. And I want to just share this article before we get into Dan's book, so we can get into it. Uh, the article's called, The Battle is Real, A Guide for Spiritual Warfare. Dr. Stout writes about uh, Dan's book and Father Ripperger's book. He says, Catholics are rediscovering the nature of spiritual warfare, not only in formal exorcisms, but also in the prayers of deliverance recited by laity. For decades, we tried canceling the devil, refraining from talking much about him or bothering much with him at all. And I, I think he's referring to the homilies, the lack of mention of Satan in the homily in the average parish. Catholics thought they could get by without exorcisms, relegating them to the superstitious past. Demonic attacks seem to belong in Hollywood films, not in the average parish. However, <clears throat> that decision backfired, with the need for exorcisms now spiking worldwide. Catholics are rediscovering the nature of spiritual warfare, not only in formal exorcisms, but also in the prayers of deliverance recited by the laity. And that's the prayer book that Father Ripperger wrote. <clears throat> then, I mean, uh, Eddie, it's interesting... I was with Monsignor Rossetti, who's the he's the exorcist of Washington D.C. I was with him a couple of weeks ago at a conference, and we were talking, and he told me he just he was very clear. He goes, Jess, since the 1960s, the name of the devil is not mentioned in seminary. He goes, it's just not taught in a diocesan seminary. 
because I don't know about the private religious orders, but in diocesan seminaries, since 65, it has, you don't even mention it. He says, so how can we blame a lot of our priests if this is not even being taught? It's not even being broached. So, uh, comments? Yeah, Jesse, you know, one of the things that, that I got from this particular article was how God uh, uh, shepherds his flock. And the reason is this, Jess. You know, back in the day when, when Terry was doing a lot of his conferences and we were going to Long Beach and Anaheim and everything, I remember we had uh, explosive speakers. We had, oh, you yeah. know, uh, Scott Hong. We had Father yeah. Fessio. We had, oh, you, know, uh, yeah. you mentioned John Carapi. Yeah. Uh, these were people that were meant for that day. Well, guess what, Jess? Right now, what we need is we need to know about the details about spiritual warfare. And these books that Father Ritberger did, uh, have done, uh, that, that Dan has done, uh, all the work that, that, that his order is doing, Jess, we so badly need it right now. There's a line right now for people coming to uh, to the church for, for what they think is an exorcism. They need spiritual help. Um, and Jess, this is God, how God uh, uh, shepherds his flock. I don't care what the the... the the, the main people in the church in the Vatican are doing, he's going to take care of us one way or the other with these books and other things like that. Absolutely. You want to pick up the article there? Yeah. It says, uh, the need for a formal major exorcism is rare. However, uh, uh, needs uh, everyone, however, needs deliverance and protection from the enemy's influence. Amen. During our observance of St. Michael's Lent, the 40 days leading up to the Michael Moss Day, uh, is that how it's pronounced? Michael yeah. Day On September 29th, Exodus, where I work, offered a series of talks uh, called Spiritual Warfare, Spiritual Warfare 101. Every day we're immersed in a spiritual battle, mostly unaware of the enemy's tactics to tempt us. He aims to push all of our buttons, making suggestions, building on our tendencies, and restraining relationships. And straining, straining, yeah. straining relationships. Yeah, we can, we can, and should push back, renouncing any evil influences we have allowed into our lives, and committing and commanding evil spirits to depart from us. And this is what these books, these books do, Jess. Yep, the basics of spiritual warfare, writes Doctor Stout, are actually quite simple. Here it is. This one sentence, Eddie: Stop yeah. committing mortal sin and avoid the occult both of which open our lives to the influence of the enemy. Eddie, that one sentence, it just, it just talked about 95% of people that come, in, come to parishes seeking help. Right there. That one sentence right there. Yep. <laughs> instead, yep. instead, go to confession, pray every day, and live a sacramental life. Beyond that, we can offer prayers of deliverance to command demons to depart from us, sending them to Jesus to be judged by him. I have found the book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady, put out by Census Traditionis Press, particularly helpful. I recommend it heartily, but it's important to spend time learning the different kinds of prayers it offers. For instance, general deliverance prayers ask God to make, to make powerless, banish and drive out every diabolical power, presence, and machination. That's on page 38. There are more specific binding prayers against particular spirits, when they can be identified, such as, a, such as praying against the spirit of anger or another source of affliction, page 18, once spirits have been commanded to depart, it's also important to pray for a perimeter of protection to be established around the house and family, invoking Our Lady, St. Michael, and the other angels and saints, 
and to pray against retaliation. Go ahead. Yeah, it says, in addition, Tad Books has published a helpful guide that assists in understanding the nature of spiritual warfare and can guide us towards a liberation from demonic influence. Uh, Dan Snyder's Lieber Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat, that's uh, 2023. The Lieber Method came together through the work of Father Chad Ritberger and his associates as they guided those requesting assistance to go through a basic protocol for prayer and getting one's life in order, offering a more comprehensive approach to seeking spiritual freedom. It begins with renouncing spiritual evil, breaking off the source of demonic influence. Wow. The second that's, and you just, that's part yeah. of it, too. That's, that's part of what, what the book does. It, it, it shows everybody what needs to be done in order to get an upper hand on spiritual warfare. That's what we need right now. Yeah. Eddie, uh, I remember the officer survival lectures that I received at the, at the Sheriff's Academy. There was one phrase that I still remember. It's 40 years ago. In the officer survival lectures, they would say, remember to always have the position of advantage on the suspect. Whenever you're going to make an arrest, position of advantage, position of advantage, wash their hands. This is what this book teaches you, Eddie, how to have a position of advantage over the diabolical and how to watch the, watch their hands, so to speak. I know they're invisible, they're spirits, but, you know, uh, in other words, watch their hands, watch their machinations, watch their deceptions, watch the way they maneuver. That, that's the way I interpret that. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great uh, idea for men. Just we have to look at it in those in those contexts because I'll tell you, um, you know, they, they they teach us you know position of advantage, but also hey, they can't kill you with their feet. So these 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 uh, uh, demons are not going to attack us in ways that are not going to affect us. They will only attack us in the ways that will affect us. And that's why we have to be careful with what we do. Amen. The second chapter then represents the pivotal importance of forgiveness. Ah, oh, there it is, Eddie. That's the yeah. big one right there. Yep. Everybody wants help, but nobody wants to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> you notice that? That's it, Jess. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it is a difficult thing to do, Jess. People, yeah. go, you know, you go back generations to, to, to get this explained to them, yeah. Yes, yes. So <clears throat> the second chapter presents the pivotal importance of forgiveness and the need for conversion. Next, it explains how we must build up what, what feeds us the regular practice of the sacraments, especially confession and a life of virtue. That, that's a life of good habits and moral excellence. The fourth chapter m- more di- moves more directly into spiritual warfare, laying out the rules of which follow from authority. We have authority in Christ over our own lives and our dependence, but we need to make sure we offer prayers of command for those over whom we have authority. In its final chapter, the book lays out the enemy's tactics and how to respond to them in prayer. He says, I found this book to be the best accessible overview of the nature of spiritual warfare and how to enter into it comprehensively. Pick it up. Yeah. Yep. The devil seeks to keep us in darkness and fear. Understanding spiritual warfare shows us uh, that the Lord is in control and that he is ready to help us. He wants us to be free and and as his disciples, he has given us the means to fight back against the enemy and even to achieve victory over him. To do so, we must break uh, from anything that leads us into enemy territory and stay rooted in a Christian way of life. The deeper hold our thought, th- hold, on, hold, hold that thought, brother. Joe, time, we'll, we'll, we'll be right back. We'll pick it up uh, where we left off. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, Dr. Stout wrote an article. It's called The Battle is Real, A Guide for Spiritual Warfare. And he talks about Father, Father Chad Ripper's prayer book. It's called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady. And he also talks about Dan Schneider's uh, pr- uh, book on healing and deliverance. It's called The Liver Crystal Method, A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat. Uh, and uh, again, this uh, Dr. Stout, who's a PhD himself, he's a scholar, uh, he talks about the uh, the usefulness of both of these books because, Eddie, let's just be honest, we don't get much catechesis from the pulpit. Now, you, you're an exception. You're, well, anybody who goes to St. Didicus, I, yeah, that's an exception because, you know, Father Bob Guerin, he's involved in, in, in healing and deliverance in minor exorcisms. He's been doing it for many years. So anybody who goes there, they're, they're going to get a lot of his homilies are based on spiritual warfare. But, uh, you know, not very many places do people talk about the devil during the homily, even though I would say that every third or fourth gospel reading, every third or fourth, you know, day of, uh, you know in, in, in order, uh, the Bible talks about the devil clearly, and yet it's not even broached on by the priests or the deacons. Eddie, comment? Are you there? Yeah, just I'm here. You know, it's true, just we don't hear enough about that. We, um, we, we, it, it just gets glossed over, and um, people that are seeking help are, are suffering the consequences because they're not reaching the people that truly understand this, uh, that would make a difference in the church right now. So, right now, when we have the vocations that are, you know, we're in need of vocations and, and all the things that are, the things that are happening, um, this needs to be talked about more because, like I said, there's a line waiting to get to Father Bob and other people that, that are uh, doing these uh, healings and deliverances. Yeah. Eddie, I'll tell you somebody who really way back was one of the first ones that started cracking, uh, talking about this topic openly. And I have, to, I have to give him credit. This is like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe longer. It was Father John Carapi. He had a series of talks. It was called Immortal Combat. Remember that? It's called oh, yeah. Immortal Combat. And, and the reason why he was getting involved in it is because he was helping out the exorcist of Florida, who I know, he was helping him do exorcisms. He was, he was like his assistant. He was uh, he was shadowing him, so to speak. So he was seeing this thing, uh, you know, clo- in, in close quarters, and that's why he started talking about it. Uh, there's been other priests also. I have to admit, you know, rest in peace, Father Mike Sears would talk a lot about uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, rest in, uh, Father John Hamsch, rest in peace. He would, he would talk a lot about spiritual warfare. So, I mean, you and me, we did have the benefit of hearing some, some, some giants in this area, but not enough. It, it, it was a handful, you know, two or three at the most. But now, because of Dan's book and Father Ripperger's prayer book, it's going more mainstream. What do you think? Yeah, Jess, I think it is. And, and you know, like I said before, Jess, you know, uh, the things that we saw before – uh, they don't exist as they did then. Now, uh, what we have now is even more precise. This book, uh, Dan Schneider's book, uh, you know, Field Manual for Spiritual Spiritual Combat, that tells us the details. It, it identifies those things that we need to hear to be able to to do the deliverance prayers ourselves 
to be able to help others. And and like we said before, just our, our model here really is is it's all about catechesis. The the, the need for catechesis as such is it is it, it, it it's actually equivalent to why people are being afflicted the way they are now. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You want to finish up the article, then we'll get jump right into the book. Yeah, uh, it says, uh, Christian way of life. Uh, the deeper our conversion from sin into a life of grace, the more we will begin to understand our weaknesses and how the enemy exploits them. This will enable us to strengthen our, 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 def- our defenses and push back in prayer when we recognize an attack coming. Catholics have been waking up to the reality of the spiritual warfare raging around us. We have tools at, at hand to train us for battle. This book is one of them, so that we can enter the fight with a greater understanding of the enemy's tactics and how to fight back in prayer, relying on the victory of the true of the true team who conquered all evil through his death and resurrection. Amen. Amen. Here's one of the phrases that Father Ripperger taught has taught us, you know, and Dan repeats it, and Kyle, the, the instructors, and this is important. Uh, they'll say that spiritual warfare is Christ-centered. It's not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Secondarily, spiritual warfare is centered on the healing and restoration of the afflicted person back to a relationship with God, and the demon is tertiary. In other words, the demon is the P.S. Too many people, Eddie, when they have these problems, the demon becomes front and center for them, not Christ. And so this is where they get it wrong. Their whole spirituality becomes now demon-centered, where our spirituality, so we can say protected and, and become liberated, it has to be Christ-centered, and that's Dan's protocol, Father Ripperger, Christ-centered. Secondly, the, the second goal is the healing of the individual who's afflicted and restore him back to a relationship with God. And then the demon is tertiary. He's a PS, he's a postscript. Uh, you know, versus you'll find a lot of people because, again, they're just they like the phenomenon and sensationalism. They'll make the demon front and center. You can watch on YouTube a lot of Protestant healing and charismatic healing and deliverances, and you can see it's a, it's an it's a it's a production, it's a show. Just watch it on YouTube, and 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 it's and the show is on the person who quote unquote has the gift, and the person who's quote unquote afflicted by the devil or possessed. And it's just a big show, uh, and, and people eat this up. This is not the way you get healed. Uh, as Catholics, as Father Ripperger and Dan and Cal say, being healed from the diabolical, it's spade work. It's like going to the backyard and pulling weeds. Okay? It's not a silver bullet. You're not going to say one prayer. This is not white magic. You're not gonna, even Father Amor says, a Catholic healing and deliverance is not white magic. You're not going to say one prayer and all of a sudden, oh, it's all gone. Oh, I'm good now. Hey, it's all good. No, no. It's going to be, you're going to grind it out. Yeah, just, you know, when you listen to Catholic um, priests, and, and only from Catholic priests, I heard them praise the movie Nefarious. And, you know, just that's really the best yeah. representation of somebody that is possessed that is had a, a, a great affliction. And I heard these same Catholic priests uh, praising that movie, but then discouraging other movies, such as The Pope's Exorcist. It was all about the flamboyant, the, the, the focus on the demon. And like you said, that's, that's not what we do. That's not what Catholics do. We focus on it's Christ-centered, like Father Ripperger says. Amen. So, Eddie, let's jump into Dan's book. We, uh, 
let's. Uh, it was on page fifty-five where it talks about releasing the stone. That's the chapter. It's called. Uh, it's under renunciation of evil influence, and it's called. Dan talks about releasing the stone. He's using the metaphor of David, uh, and and you know unleashing the five stones against Goliath. So I'll pick it up where we left off. Dan writes. Doctor Steiner writes. When the demon tries to project images of past sins through this bond, you are now invited to pray for the other person. The accuser has no merits by which he can accuse you because the sin has been removed sacramentally and you've broken the psychological and emotional ligatures of your past. Your prayers for the other person hold even more merit. By the grace of God, you're on the pathway to freedom, holiness, and salvation. But you may not know where the other person is. To silence the enemy's projection over your past sins, therefore, project prayers back for the person with whom you have severed unholy ties. So here's, here's a common one. Let's say, you know, people that you fornicated with in the past. You do a, 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 you know, a prayer uh, soul, to break soul ties. And then you pray for that person. You don't know where that person is today. They may, you know, they may be dead for all you know. Or maybe living happily married after. Who knows? Uh, but you pray for their, their, that God gives them the grace of conversion. And what that does is, uh, again, that removes the disordered anger or hate you may have or bitterness for that person. And, and by the way, this is the hardest thing to do. I get it. So I'm not, I'm not one to say, oh, I've mastered this. That's why Jesus says over and over in the Gospels, here's a phrase that nobody wants to hear. He says, love your enemies. What? What, Jesus? What? 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 Love your enemies and pray for those who pray for those who persecute you. Those are the hardest words in the gospel. But guess what, Eddie? This is where a lot of people are stuck because they have disordered anger and hatred for somebody in the past that led them to some type of sin. That's what the demon holds onto and doesn't leave. He has permission to be there because of that person's emotional disordered anger. Yeah, Jess, you know, what you said is true. I mean, you know, we have to be mature Catholics to be able to do this. So, you know, when, you know, and it could be any time, Jess, you know, we talk about these uh, attachments to, to unholy alliances. For example, a song comes on on the radio and you hear it and, and you reminisce. You know, that's a perfect time to be a mature Catholic, to offer a prayer for somebody that, that you had an unholy alliance with, whether it be sexual or otherwise, yeah. but that... But that, that, that they may need it, Jess. They, they, need, they need your prayers to allow them to get beyond where they are, whether it be in this world or the next. They need your help. So I would, I would suggest and recommend that people do it because you're right. Unforgiveness is a major part of what we do in this, in this uh, ministry. Absolutely. Yep, we've seen it over and over again. Pick it up, Eddie. Next paragraph. Okay, so I said uh, this should be done in conjunction with... And as supplementary to the sacrament of penance, recite the prayer of breaking of soul ties three times, preferably before the Blessed Sacrament. This should be done for each person with whom you have committed grave sin, three times for every previous sexual partner, anyone with whom you, uh, you committed a crime, etc. If you had an abortion, do the same for the sire of the child, the doctor and the staff involved, and anyone who accompanied you to the clinic. Just this is mature Catholicism. We're talking about being mature Catholics and, and remembering the sin and offering it to God. This is what they're saying. If you participate in the witchcraft, break ties with anyone involved. Our Lady of Sorrows will lead you through these painful memories and help in breaking uh, their hold on you. 
Once you've completed the, this, the enemy may try to project into the memory again. When that happens, know that the sin is forgiven and the tie is broken. Take it as opportunity to pray for the other people. God has given you the great grace of conversions, so pray that they might be set free. Yeah, this is very mature. And notice it's uh, the liber crystal method tells you to recite these prayers of breaking the soul ties before the blessed sacrament and do it to do it three times in honor in honor of the Trinity, and also because the in in the, in the word of the, in the world of the, the occult when they curse you they curse you three times and so it's an inversion what we try to do as Catholics. Dan writes according to Carl Clement discerning whether an alliance is holy or no, unholy is our experience for the love of God. That is, alliances which bring us closer to God are likely to be holy, and those that bring us further away from God are most likely unholy. Uh, he considers it a three-step process. First, we need to re reject the relationship, and we need to forgive both, forgive ourselves and the, and the person with whom we had the alliance. Second, we need to renounce any disordered behaviors that were associated with the relationship, excessive drinking, gossip, and proper language. Finally, we need to rebuke any attitude, spirit, disposition, or personality trait associated with this relationship, like people-pleasing or neglect of vocation. We'll be right back. Two-man card, Jesus 911. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. Huge topic and when it comes to spiritual warfare. We're talking about soul ties. Eddie, I've done these prayers before uh, years ago when I learned these prayers from um, Liber Crystal team. I went before the Blessed Sacrament and everybody that I've ever had an unsoul tie with, male or female, bad relationships, uh, I prayed uh, these prayers and for, for each of them I prayed by name for the people that I had unholy alliances with in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So I've done this, and I can just tell you, this is powerful. Uh, you know, nope, and you're just there in front of Jesus Christ, and uh, and you just recall every single person. And a lot of it is just, we, a lot of us is, man, we have bad male friendship, Eddie. You know, you, 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 you and me grew up. Eddie, Eddie, you and me grew up in a place called San Fed, okay? <laughs> That's San Fernando, for those of you who know, what are you even talking about? San Fernando, California. It was yeah. replete with gangs, I mean, I, I think every one of my friends, other than Anthony Valdez, my next-door neighbor, was a gang member. Everybody. I mean, I had no choice. I, I knew I grew up with bad people. Most of them are dead or in prison, or, and or, a lot of them are just cold-blooded killers. And so, you know, I did cavort with a lot of them growing up. And so uh, I did have a lot of names. I was there a long time in front of the Blessed Sacrament breaking soul ties. <laughs> Absolutely, Jess. You know, when we decide to be mature Catholics, Jess, it, it, you have to throw out a lot of the things that you learned before. It, 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 it depends on what's going on now. It depends on the things that we're learning from, from Dan Schneider and all of Father Rupert's staff. This is the important part of Catholicism, Jess, is the, the details that we know now that weren't available to us back in those days, Jess. That's that's the uh, that's the issue with, with catechesis. It's got to be update all updated all the time. And I'll tell you, Eddie, where this where this book and everybody says it. Uh, I mean, I've got very smart guys calling me all over the country. They're saying 
I know theology, I know apologetics, I know salvation history, but the things that are being taught by Liber Christo, this, this this is personal. This is this is teaching me to go deep in my interior life, something that I that that I never broached or I never thought about or I never delved into it. I was more into the Catholic Protestant debate, the Catholic atheist debate, the culture wars, you know, the Catholic uh, political debate. But this book is like a mirror, Eddie. And now you're looking at the mirror and you're saying, "Boy, I got some. St- I, I've got some work. I've got some work to do still." Uh, you know, I got, there's some areas here that I need to really surrender to God, and I need to pray that God heals me in, in certain of these areas. That's what this book is. It, it makes you look at a mirror. And you know, just this is, the, the, it shows us how vulnerable we are, really, when it comes to this this topic. Because all we have to do to fall out of grace is commit one mortal sin. That's it. And then we're not in a state of grace anymore. And then the protection withdraws from us. God withdraws that protection. And, and just, well, because we deserve it, but just um, this is a dangerous time in our lives. So we have to, we have to use, use the sacraments of the church. We have to use confession mostly. That's what's available to us. And um, that's the way to get uh, on top of this this whole issue, but but yeah, the things that they're mentioning is, is is makes us realize how vulnerable we truly are as human beings. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Well, we continue. It says we can discern an unholy alliance through behavior changes around certain people. Generally, some form of a lack of virtue. In addition, part of the process of severing soul ties is getting rid of any material objects that remind you of the unholy relationships. Gifts, jewelry, photos, etc. Often the presence of some interior resistance, a spiritual, physical, or psychological attachment to parting with the objects suggests some unholy connection. Comment, Eddie? Yeah, just, you know, some of these things that that people give us, you know, gifts from, from way back uh, in the day, uh, some of them might not be something that you want to hold on to because a lot of them were used as as uh, uh, channels of evil. So a lot of them could have been used, whether it be a jewelry, whether it be yeah. uh, a photograph of, of somebody you're with. Uh, these kind of things can affect what's going on presently in your spiritual life. That's why when we counsel people, we tell them, get rid of un- any any unholy decor in your home, anything. And uh, sometimes that's a, a key to opening up God's grace. I'll get personal here, okay? When I moved in, when I moved into my first house in San Fernando, California, Eddie knows where it was at Eighth Street. Um, and, and, you know, when you 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 buy a house and and it was a used house. I mean, it was a lived-in house, so you know you're going through every single nook and cranny trying to clean it up. I remember I went to the attic and I opened up the attic and you know got up there with a ladder and had a flashlight. And the attic, you know, it was it was you know it was an old house, so I mean it was it was disheveled, but there was a box in the attic. So I opened the box, I had a flashlight, and the box was full of pornography magazines, probably about 50 porn magazines. Now, I was a young guy, I'm saying, hmm, Anita doesn't know, maybe I'll just keep the stash up here. She doesn't know about this, she's not going to come up to the attic. Wow, maybe I'll just check these things out when she's at work or at school, uh, but I'm going to keep them up here. But you know what, Eddie? I was so convicted after a few days, I didn't tell Anita about it. I went back up in the attic and I said, I, I got to get rid of this. It's, 
I'm going to be tempted to be to, to be looking at this when Anika's gone. So about about a week after, I went back up to the attic, brought the box down, went to the backyard, started a little barbecue fire, and I burned every single magazine. Anita came home. She got home early from school or something. I forget. It was when it went, it went very early on. And she goes, what are you doing? She says, a big fire in the backyard. And she sees what I'm doing. I said, oh. I said, I went up to the attic about a week ago. There's a box up there. I was going to keep them, but I, I just something told me to get rid of this. It's just not good for me. We were already starting our process of conversion already. And uh, and so yeah, so obviously the obviously the former owner of that house that was his little stash, yep. you know that was his stash, and I I could have kept it, but I said mm, here's another one. Somebody gave me an Aztec calendar years ago, so uh, years ago I started doing a research paper, you know, for in, in, a, in a college class. I'm 30 years ago on the Aztec culture, and I had an Aztec calendar in my hallway. Then I'm starting to see the different faces in the Aztec calendar. They're actually demons. They're actually Aztec deities, which I know are demons, as Psalm 95 verse 5 says, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. So once I was finished with my paper on the Aztec culture, I said, I can't keep this this calendar now that I now that I've done the research. I'm pointing that face. That's Quetzalcoatl. That's Tonantú. That's Tonantzin. So I got my Aztec calendar and I smashed it in the backyard to pieces because I said, in case there's any evil spirit attached to this calendar because it has demon faces on it, I'm going to get rid of it. Here's another one. So my son, my, my oldest grandson, Sebastian, last year my grandkids. Uh, they went, they went to, to trick-or-treating for Halloween. This year, none of my grandkids went out. None. And it's funny because all I do is talk to them. I'm, I can't, they're not my kids, so I can't order them. I just tell them about Halloween, what I know about it. This year, all my grandsons, there's six of them, they picketed, they, picket, they boycotted Halloween. They go, no, nah, Grandpa, we're going to stay home and, you know, we're just going to stay here and, and watch a movie and, and we'll pass out candy if people come over. We don't want to go out there. So so here's what happened last year. So Sebastian went out there, got some candy, came back, and he showed me the candy he had and, and my, with my daughter, my brother, my son-in-law. And, and when he dumped the bag, a crystal fell out. I said, where did you get this at? He goes, oh, one of the people in, I forget what house, they gave me candy. They gave me this little this little stone. I said, it's called a crystal. You know who it was? She goes, no, I don't know who it was, Grandpa. I said, okay. So I took the crystal and I said, I said, there's evil spirits attached to this because people use this superstitiously to call on demons. So my grandson's like, what? Really? So it was a catechetical moment for him and, and my daughter already knew Dad. I said, Dad, we got to get rid of it, right? I said, yo, yeah, we got to smash it. So I went with my grandson. It was a moment that he won't forget because it's a grandpa-grandson moment. Went to my back, to, to behind my, there's a desert in my backyard. We smashed the crystal in pieces. Then I made a hole in the desert and buried it there. And, and so it'll never be used again for occult purpose because I smashed it with a hammer, put it in a paper bag, walked to the desert, took a shovel, made a hole in it, and then I threw it in the hole. Then I said a prayer for myself. It's a, it, it, I, I did a prayer against demonic retaliation, you know, for handling this uh, this crystal. And uh, and I also prayed what's called a decommissioned prayer. 
It's a prayer in the event that there's an evil spirit attached to this that may attach to myself or my, or my grandson. I'm asking you, Lord, to remove this evil spirit. And I, ask, I prayed a retaliation prayer. Lord, protect me against any demonic retaliation for breaking this, this diabolic sacramental. So again, so I, uh, these are some, I'm just trying to put some meat to, to Dan's book. Yeah, just that, that's that's true. You and I went through a lot of the same things uh, growing up. You know, I remember when we decided not to celebrate uh, 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 Halloween anymore. We would make Halloween night a bowling night. So normally you'd have a lot of people at, at, at a bowling alley at, at that hour. We used to go bowling, take the kids to go bowling, get a couple of lanes, uh, and, and enjoy the night uh, there. You know, pass out candy there. So so yeah, we went through a lot of the same things. Just one of the things that's really big right now in the culture that uh, uh, David or Sue and I have been talking about getting a, uh, a class going about it is Dia de los Muertos. That is surrounded. By uh, by evil, by misunderstandings, by twisting the faith. Um, you know, the Day of the Dead, the, the, uh, the practiced by the, the, the Hispanic community is Mexican Americans, and just that's something that that we have to stay away from because you know, again, there's there's altars. I've seen altars set up in the back of the church, back of churches that have, um, you know, I mean, an altar where they're supposed to be a sacrifice. They have uh, stuff that they, they're using. They're using flowers. They're using uh, different things. Uh, uh, some liquor, liquor. Exactly. Liquor, things that the, the, the dead people used to like to eat. Guess what? They're not coming back. Man. They need prayers. They don't need liquor. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> what about a cigar? Do they need a cigar? <laughs> I'm telling you, just it gets it gets kind of ridiculous when you just start looking at the at the the minutia of this holiday. Um, it's it's not good. We'll talk. That's for sure. Jesus nine one one. We'll be right back. Stick around. We got one more segment. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, we're talking about soul ties. And uh, this is Dr. Nash Schneider's book. The section is called Releasing the Stone. How do we fight back? It says, pornography, for example, creates a soul tie. We directly combat pornography through the mortification of the flesh, the practice of Christian ascetical practices through fasting, vigils, and other disciplines. Help to mortify, literally put to death, sinful tendencies. As Clement writes, Kyle Clement, we also fight against impurity through the devotion of the five sacred wounds of Jesus, particularly the wounded feet of Jesus. The desecration and wounding of his flesh was a result uh, to, our, to our own sins of the flesh, and therefore meditating on his wounds makes satisfaction for our carnal sins. In so doing, we slowly purify the unholy images embedded in our memories by the unholy images embedded uh, by, uh, by the holy images of Christ's wounds. Accordingly, when the demon tempts us to look at pornography, we can project back to him the images of the holy wounds of Christ. Go ahead, Eddie. Take it up. Yeah, following the example of St. Mary Magdalene, you can spiritually embrace the feet of Christ in atonement for your sins. That's out of Luke 7, uh, Luke chapter 7 and 8. Accordingly, when the demon attempts you to look at pornography, you can project back to him like stones from a slingshot images of the five wounds of Christ. 
Now there's a beautiful tactic, Jess. We have to pick up on that. We can we can fight back in that in that uh, way. As you consider your past, bear in mind that the demon is tertiary in Catholic liberation. Look at your past. Uh, look at your past first through the lens of Jesus Christ. The second on removing the, any obstacle that keeps you from union with Him. The demon will attempt to keep your focus uh, either on Him or yourself uh, and your past. In doing so, many seek only the cessation of suffering rather than the development of virtue and union with God. The goal of liberation is reconciliation with God. So focus on Christ first and then on removing the obstacles preventing deeper union with Him. That's what we just talked about the last segment. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, spiritual warfare is Christ-centered. It's not demon-centered. It's not you-centered. It's Christ-centered. Um, and also something important, going back to uh, to uh, the images, I get a lot of guys that e- email me, call me up at co- after conferences, and you know a lot of guys are struggling with pornography because it's so prevalent right now. It's just so common. And so I, I tell them, take your rosary. I said, start praying it every day, but only pray the sorrowful mysteries. Only. Take a picture. Like, I got a big book of the Passion of Christ, Jim Caviezel, the movie. Or you can go on the internet and your laptop, you can put the, the images of Jesus' bloody passion of the movie. Right. As you're praying the sorrowful mysteries, just look at his wounds. And, and do that. Do that every single day. Again, uh, the, the, the brain, the way it works, if you do something for 90 days straight, it becomes habituated in the soul. Pray, I tell them, pray the sorrowful mysteries every day, looking at a bloody picture of Jesus for 15 minutes as you're praying it. This is going to break the diabolical attraction of pornography. Why? Because you're fighting back. Because the demon is throwing darts at you. That's what the Bible calls what demons do is called Ephesians chapter 6, I think 16. He says, the demon is, fires darts at us. Well, where's he firing the darts at? He's not firing them at your kneecaps or your Kylie's heel. He fires, he fires them at your memory, your imagination. And so when you pray, you're firing back. And the Bible says what we fire back are arrows. What's bigger, an arrow or a dart? An arrow is bigger. Okay? So the Christian, when we're praying and meditating on the five wounds of Christ... We're firing arrows back. He's firing darts at us. As, uh, as Trump told uh, the Korean dictator, I got a bigger button than you. Okay? I got more weapons than you. That's, that's, we could say the same thing to the demon. Oh, yeah, you're projecting a filth at my mind? Take that. Take the five sacred wounds of Jesus. It's looking at a picture, praying the sorrowful mysteries, and you're throwing it right back. What's the demon going to do? That's going to cause him pain. It's going to cause an intellectual pain. Like, whoa! He's throwing at me the holiness of Christ's wounds. This is what saved the world objectively. So what's the demon going to do? He's going to say, I'm going to leave Eddie Chavez. I'm going to leave Jess Romero. These guys fire back some some heavy-duty arrows. I'm going to the Robinson's house. That guy doesn't pray. He's easy. I can fire darts at him all day because he doesn't fire back. So as we fire back... With this technique that Father Ripperger has come up with, the sorrowful mysteries, and looking at a bloody Jesus. It could be a statue. I got a big, and at this office, we got a statue of a bloody Jesus from Mexico, Cristo Roto. 
So you could have a, but you have to look at the bloody Jesus as you're praying the sorrowful mysteries, because that's the movie, The Passion, and it's the blood of Jesus that 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 uh, paid for the, the the sin debt, and so we're we're projecting that back that image back into the cosmos, and so demons when they see somebody praying that and projecting those arrows back into the cosmos, they're saying. I'm out of here, man. This guy's causing me too much pain. I'm going to go next door to the tailor's house. That man doesn't pray. That man just drinks all day and plays with himself. And so this is a technique. Guys call me up. They go, Jess, I started doing this in 30 days. Boom. I'm not masturbating. Jess, I did this nine days, bro. I'm free. Haven't masturbated in 10 years. I got guys call me over and over because I give this protocol to men all the time and it works. You can't stare at a bloody Jesus 15 minutes a day and go into heartfelt prayer through the sorrowful mysteries. That's going to clean up your mind and you're projecting that back out into the cosmos and demons are powerless against the blood of Jesus being projected back at them. They are gone. Yes, one of the things that we forget as Catholics, the reason the devil goes next door to the tailor's house is because we're baptized. We have this indelible, indelible mark on our soul, and we're not using it. We're not praying. We're not doing it. They were raised as a Catholic, and that's that's as far as it goes. And just what, why exactly are we thinking about the passion? Because this is how the demons are defeated. And people are not even thinking about that. They're not thinking if I if I look at a bloody Jesus, I look at Jesus suffering. That's the point when he defeats the demon. So what 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 is left is just victory. It's given to us, and we just have to know how to use it. That's the beauty of this book. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Eddie Saint John Chrysostom, doctor of the church, he calls the what Christ did for us on Calvary, his his death on Calvary. He calls it a war memorial. He calls it the Calvary a crucifix is a war memorial. Just like, you know, Japanese, you know, 50 years ago, uh, the, the, the Japanese communists, when they saw the statue of the, the four Marines pitching a flag in Iwo Jima in the Pacific Islands, and that brought, that, it made the Japanese quake in their boots because that reminded them of their defeat. When a demon looks at the crucifix, that for them is Iowa Jima. They say, here is where we got our butts kicked. St. John Chrysostom calls the crucifix on Calvary, he calls it a war memorial. A war memorial. And here's something interesting. Venerable Maria of Agreda, who, by the way, her body's been incorrupt for 350 years, uh, and she bilocated 500 times from Grenada, Spain, to Texas and Arizona. 500 bilocations. All the Indians knew who she was. They go, oh, yeah. She came and catechized all of us when they showed pictures of her, and she never stepped out of Grenada, Spain. Venerable Mary of Agreda, she says in her book, The Mystical City of God, the book that was used by Mel Gibson for the Passion of the Christ and the Four Gospels, she says that Mary dictated the book to her. Our Lady told this nun that when Christ, her son, was dying on the cross, the demons started seeing, oh no, oh no. His blood is being spilled. Oh no, his blood is, 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 is causing the forgiveness of sins. Oh no, his blood is redeeming the human race. Oh no, the demons wanted to flee. Mary of the Greta says that our lady says, Mary says, I threw a chain around all the demons, I, around their neck. I held them like dogs and I forced them to watch my son dying. Why? Because that was causing them pain. Because that blood drip, drip, drip. Hebrews 9.22, 
for without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The Blessed Virgin Mary forced the demons to watch them see Christ, his son, redeem the world. And what Dr. Peter Craig says what happened on Calvary is judo. Jesus Christ used their plan and their body weight and threw them, launched them, flipped them into eternity. Just, just imagine, just imagine you, the, the worst game, little league game you ever played where you got slaughtered and you're forced to watch that again. It's, it's humiliating. It's humiliating to you. And, and you know what? Rightfully so. It's what they deserve. But, but, um, you know, that's a beautiful story because I hadn't, I hadn't heard that particular story. So yeah, that's, those are the things about catechesis, just is that, you know, we, we, we hold each other up. We, we give each other, uh, uh that, that push towards victory. And, uh, you know, thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah, amen. Uh, let's finish it off there, Eddie. Uh, go ahead, pick it up from there. Okay, so at this time, uh, examine your life and no, your relationship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah, right? Okay. Uh, and your relationship as, as anything unholy and improper. Once identified, say the prayer below of breaking unholy alliances. This uh, list anyone with whom you have formed an unholy alliance. This is what Jess talked about doing. And it just says the basic uh, prayer to break soul ties is as follows. Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize an unholy soul tie was created between me and so-and-so. Whenever we and so-and-so, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, I give back any spiritual uh, thing in the interior, in my interior self that I took from so-and-so. And I take back any... And I take back anything of my interior self that I gave to so-and-so and hereby break any soul and un all unholy soul ties with them. And this is a, a, a longer form is used in the appendix of the book, Jeff, but this is, this is the, uh, the one that they, they suggest uh, initially. Yeah, do that, that, do that prayer three times in front yes. of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, I've even seen people, some, some priests will say, do that prayer three times for three days in a row in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So, uh, you know, it, the more the better. I mean, if you're going to do it three days in a row in front of Jesus and do it three times every time you're there, uh, I've I, I told men, especially men that are steeped in sexual sin, I say, do this three times. And it makes them get off their couch, drive to the church, go into the side of the church, get on their knees, bless themselves with holy water, humble themselves. Nobody's there. They do the prayer three times. They get back home, get back in the car, and they come back for two more days. So I tell men, do that prayer Three days in a row, three times in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and do it from your heart. And uh, I got guys that call me up, and they're saying, man, I want more of this. What do I do? I said, okay, now we started, we got to start living a sacramental life, get them back into the sacraments, get them back into a life of prayer. But this starts it, Eddie, because you got to break the soul tie. Yeah, just that, that's, that's essential. That's got to be done. Matter of fact, I suggest either walking or driving to the other side of town for this. Make it a little bit... Make it a, 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 a join the passion of Jesus. Join in that. Don't make it easy for yourself. Make it difficult for yourself. Amen. Good stuff, brother. That's a yeah, Jess. I mean, that's uh, that's that's talk about catechesis, man. It's all about who's the most powerful doing it. That's for sure. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're here. We're here to help people get to heaven. Uh, see you next time. We're at, we are EOW. End of watch. Up next, Gary Machuda hands on apologetics. God bless you, family. Keep.